The Longbox Crusade presents G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Years. I'm one of your commanders, Pat Sampson, codenamed DJ Christatos. And joining me, as always, is my battle buddy in this operation, Gerald Albrick, codenamed Death Probe. At ease, DJ Christatos and all the green shirts tuning in for this podcast. I want to welcome you all back to Fort Longbox. We appreciate you tuning in to talk some post-2000 G.I. Joe comics with us as we chronicle our way through The Devil's Due Run. This episode is, of course, sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment, your best choice for hardbinding those special comics in your collection. In fact, Pat, as you know, I've been reading this series out of my Omaha Bound, professionally bound collection. It is quite wonderful. It makes me fancy. And if you yes, want to be does. fancy, you know, I assume you want to be fancy, Pat. I, I do. I think, you know, I'm going to be so fancy enough. I've been trying out my ninja skills mm-hmm. that I've learned something in this one. This issue that what I've learned is that I could be like a silent ninja with some paper ripping skills that I might be able to come in and rip that. Don't rip my heart, man. man that's not well, no, I mean, rip it off and grab it and oh, run with oh, it because oh, I want it. Okay, I see. Well, if you want to be fancy like Pat over there, just head to OmahaBound.com today and treat yourself right now. We've mentioned on a few other podcasts that they had got a abundance of work. So mm-hmm. they are backed up. I think they may not be taking binding orders now. They intend to open that back up sometime next year, I think in the fall. But stay tuned to see if you can get back in with them and still check out omahabound.com because they've got their pre-bound stuff and their hard-to-find stuff and all that jazz. So go ahead and check that out today. And Pat, I believe we have a giveaway to take care of real quick. That we do, Jared. That we do. We were giving away issue number 34. Which is the cover of Lady J and Ace. Oh, the the, Rattler. Yeah, the Air Signed by John Beatty. Mm hmm. Yes, sir. So uh, you want to hit the randomizer? Sure. Let me go ahead and pull that. Let me just dust it off again. Get it ready. Here we go. I'm going to pull it right now. Here we go. (laughs) And the winner is Rick Heineken. Woo. Woo. Congratulations, Rick. Congratulations, Rick. I will get that sent up to the attic. Yes, thanks for listening, and thanks for everybody who put in for it. We had a good handful of people who put in for that hashtag John Beatty Joe. Rick, you were the big winner. Thank you to all our listeners who participated. Well, Pat, as usual, we're going to rotate in a special guest for this episode, or a special ops guest, as we like to mm-hmm. call it. And returning to the show is a guy who knows a little bit about these comics, just surface level, but we're going to try to you know, help him out along the way. <laughs> it is Mr. Josh Blaylock, codename the writer of this comic. Although we should probably let him pick his own codename yeah. at some point. Josh, what would your codename be? I would have to go with my running codename I had as a kid when we would play all the time, which was Jailbreak. 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 Ooh. <laughs> That's a cool codename. <laughs> I guess I thought I might need to do that someday. I don't know. <laughs> That's a good skill to have. You know? I was going to say, it sounds like there's an interesting story behind <laughs> I that. I don't know. I, just, I think I heard the word as a, like an eight-year-old and thought I said it awesome. 
Dude, that is a really good code name. Like, you could see there being a joke called Jailbreak. Isn't it yeah. shocking that name's not taken yet from a joke? <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't squeeze it in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, Jailbreak well, uh, had a uh, hat with the dusty uh, camo thing on the back because that was cool. Oh, well, and I, could, I could buy one for like $3. <laughs> I have a funny feeling that we are of similar age. This sounds very 80s to me. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. Well, days you could go to Kmart for like $10 <laughs> and get an arsenal of way too realistic looking machine guns. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those are and, the and walk away with a sub that was on Blue Light Special in the Delicatessen. <laughs> and a, I, played, and a oh, man, I lived in Florida at the time and we had an, I was in an apartment complex. So there's a bunch of kids around and we'd go play and we could wander off. It's latchkey kid days, right? So your parents mm-hmm. are at work yep. and then we just go. Wander off into way too sketchy, dangerous, like Florida <laughs> forest, you know, with snakes and gators and whatever. And we'd be back there for hours and come back. <laughs> I saw deliverance. I at least, at least, at least most of us would come back, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's where those jailbreak skills come in handy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, man, it's so great to have you back here at Fort Longbox. Now, he's been on before. And we asked him the standard question of what his three favorite characters were, be they Joes or Cobras. Our standard question for return guests, what are your three favorite vehicles, be they Joe or Cobra? You know, I kind of feel almost slightly guilty about this because the Joe, like, old school purist in me has to fight the little kid, like, wow factor. But, man, I loved the Havoc, which is one of the dumbest vehicles ever, like, (laughs) as far as, you know. Let me sit in this chair with these cannons so the enemy could just shoot me. <laughs> um, Destro's, uh, were those the AGPs the, with the nullifiers flew? Oh. Oh. I think that sounds right. AGPs, man. I think so. Gosh, yeah, likes the obscure. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, AG, anti-gravity pot, I think, even though it wasn't anti-gravity, it had giant rockets on it. Yeah. Um, plus the nullifier was cool. He flew that. And then there was, I think that... The mobile command center, if that falls, fits in that category. Sure, Mm -hmm. sure. That was one of the, you know, you have like every kid has like their one or two, like the real expensive ones they finally got after begging and begging for. That was like my mobile command center. Oh, you're lucky. Yeah. 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 Mine was that battle platform and the the whale and the hydrofoil and the sky striker. And I think Jason, my brother, had the ram. The hydrofoil was amazing. And you could pull because you could open the hydrofoil and put all your guys in there and close it back (laughs) up. (laughs) <laughs> dang straight like he picked the vehicles you don't hear much about you know yeah like, that's cool though i love the variety of it were they was because it? you had the toys you said oh yeah yeah i had yeah. i was pretty like lucky i look back my parents were like real strict about not buying certain things and then i don't know i had a lot of joes that's probably i guess paid yeah. off <laughs> i think it's because you know they buy the little toys for you and then christmas time comes around and you're begging for the bigger stuff and then you know mm-hmm. They're like, well, I guess I got to buy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My parents were the same way. They were like, listen, we'll support your G.I. Joe habit, but you don't get to start up a He-Man habit or a Transformers habit. Like, this is your thing. I'm like, and I was cool with it. I had the Hydrofoil. That was the one at the Moray, right? The Cobra. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There was that other one, too. The um, Who was the Cobra Ice Viper came with? That white tank with the... I was in love with that thing. I had that. Oh, the the white cobra. It had sleds like two in the front and it had tracks in the back. And then some, somebody listening to this podcast right now is so pissed. I don't know. I know, name. right? It's killing <laughs> like, me. You know, and Ice Viper was so cool looking. And Yeah, the Ice Viper was cool. Editor's note, it was the Cobra Wolf that we could not remember. The Cobra Wolf. 
Now back to the show. Pick some more common vehicles, Josh, so we don't look so <laughs> Well, uh, you know, it's like it, I, at the same time, though, it's some of those were some of the more ridiculous vehicles. Ice Viper was cool, but the uh, I mean, the that tank was cool, but the the Havoc might as well have been some weird outer space like thing, you know. Um, you know, there's so many super authentic vehicles that they did, you know, that actually based on real things. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of like the in between where they were getting well, you could tell the designers were being pushed like they do some more, you know, original stuff. But it hadn't gotten all the way into like, oh, it wasn't the Pogo. <laughs> I always like that Cobra Mamba. It was a purple dual bladed helicopter. Like oh, that yeah. was like all that wild edge creativity. Oh, well, good stuff. Good stuff. He picked some interesting ones that we don't hear a lot mm-hmm. about. It's going to make me have to Google now because he's like, he's saying these things and like bringing back vague memories. I'm like, I want to go look at that again. Yeah. Find out if I have the clout to make the value go up 50 cents. <laughs> <laughs> eBay prices skyrocket. <laughs> <laughs> now, normally at this point in the show, I would turn over to DJ Cristados for our episode's intelligence report, but let's get the Josh Blaylock intelligence report. Josh, what projects are you working on right now that you might want our listeners to be aware of? Thanks for asking. A couple that I think G.I. Joe fans may really have a lot of fun with would be the Encoded, which has a couple of very, very uh, intentional uh, homages, which you'll see if you look into it, towards Joe and Transformers. That's in the year 2055, thereabouts. It's near future sci-fi. I say it's sort of a cross between Minority Report and The Purge. In the future, things have gotten so high tech and advanced and AI has become such a dangerous thing, but we still want to have the capabilities and the advantages that come along with it. Whenever something looks like it might become a dangerous sort of AI virus or rogue AI, we have to shut everything down. So you go completely analog like it's 1985. And everyone everyone just (laughs) knows to deal with it. They're like, they're way more advanced than we are now. They've got their AR glasses and they, you know, you're like, oh my God, you know, I don't even understand these people. And then boom, it's like pre-internet, but no one freaks out because we're skipping ahead to when they went through the parts where they already freaked out. But it's also, it's a really good time to settle scores. Mm, um, untrackable. One. Oh. And uh, so there's, and then it also plays with what if sort of Skynet or the Matrix comes around and it's not the bad guy. We just as humans are so obsessed with the fact that it paid no attention to us. We screwed it up and it had mm. to create these, you know, robots and machines to sort of interact with us just to like even try to understand us. So there's a there's elements of there's there's robots and there's some uh, mercenaries and stuff involved. And, you know, any Joe fan, Transformers fan is going to get a kick out of some of the stuff that's in there. But it's sort of like a Black Mirror kind of a vibe, too. That's called The Encoded. The first issue of that is actually it going to the printer right now. Um, We did one round on Kickstarter. We'll put the second volume on Kickstarter. It's going to be a 48 page prestige format that comes out every few months and another series that's just like that same format's arc world i may have mentioned it last time but um i say it's ancient aliens without the aliens it's all the stuff about the ancient atlantean past 13 15 000 years ago and uh, advanced civilization here on earth with megalithic stone structures and everything and it's got characters from all around the world uh it's sort of about two people normal people swept up in a deep state conspiracy that has a military edge to it. And uh, that surprisingly kind of ends up having what I feel sort of a G.I. Joe fan might have fun with. There's a lot of interesting characters. They're all kind of badasses in their own way, where as we build the world, because the world's so important, because I'm pulling in from actual 
real ancient megalithic structures and stuff to sort of build mm. the sci-fi around and come up with a science called archaeopunk that works, you know, within all that. There's vehicles, there's aircraft, and there's motorcycles and stuff these characters have. It's kind of fun. Like, I, it sort of happened unconsciously. In hindsight, I'm looking on it. The second issue now uh, just hit stores this week. It's like, oh, I could, this is kind of, parts of this have a fun Joe vibe. They're both for a little bit older mm-hmm. crowd. You know, it's like PG-13 and up. Another plug, I would really like ask everyone to check out this thing I'm doing on a site called WeFunder. It's called Pop Cultivator. And if you've been a supporter of Kickstarter campaigns and been, you know, a fan of like supporting creators um, that way in new projects, this actually allows you to buy into a company. Uh, It's sort of like being able to buy stock on a stock market. That's why it goes to this site called WeFunder, because they are all set up. We're set up with the SEC and all that, where you don't have to be an accredited investor worth like a million dollars to invest in something like this. You can throw in as little as 100 bucks and you can have a piece of this new company. It's called Pop Cultivator. It's just going to own a library of content that we're creating, we're acquiring. Some of my stuff's going to be in there. But I put together a team. I've got Mike Horn that was founded Palisades Toys in the 2000s that did all those awesome Joe statues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, I got them all. Oh, yeah. Those were amazing. That guy's made probably a thousand toys in his day. Tons of different licenses that we've got. And then we're doing a lot of kids stuff. Jose Garibaldi's on the team. He's been a a colorist and artist on Dogman for the last almost decade. And Captain Underpants, like the best-selling kids books in the world, basically. Mm. He's also been an animator working on Ninja Turtles and... He designed the new Casey Jones and Baxter Stockman, I think. We've got a whole, a whole bunch of other amazing people on there. Yeah, if you check it out, it's like I kind of in good conscience have to say like, hey, this is entertainment. If you throw money in, don't ever expect to see it again. But we do have a really good team. If you ever were going to see it again, it's going to be with this <laughs> uh, going to comics. But um, yeah, check it out. We're raising money on there. Once we close our funding round, then we'll announce like what the projects we're doing and everything. And what's the website one more time? So pop cultivator is like pop culture or in like cultivator. So P-O-P cultivator. WeFunder.com slash pop cultivator. W-E-F-U-N-D-E-R.com. Excellent. Cool. Or you can invest in like satellite startup companies. Right? There's all kinds of shit on there. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. Pop cultivator. We got the encoded. We've got Arc World. These are all things you can check out from Josh. And, you know, I would uh, say on the podcast here. Again, it's not for like, don't send this to your kids because you want your kids to read Joe stuff. Arc World number one, you can share with your audience for free here. If you'd like to send a link out on on any podcast comments or any way you can do that. Oh, wow. Okay. We appreciate that, Josh. We will put that in the show notes. We'll have a link for Arc. You might need to create a Billy for it. <laughs> read it out. That's a long address. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. Very cool. Oh, I've like got a lot of cool, interesting projects you got going on there. He does. Uh, last time he was on, uh, he recommended to us a book, a historical book called Operation Nemesis mm-hmm. that he did that I picked up. And it's a fascinating true story. I'm going to go ahead Real and pick me up. <laughs> it's a little depressing, but, you know, true stories can be that way. It's uh, disturbingly but, timely right now because of all the stuff going on in Armenia again. Yeah, I put that together as well. So. Yes, it is about the Armenian genocide. Check out Operation Nemesis. Amazing book by Josh. So I'm just going to plug a little extra for him. And with that, Pat, I think you owe us an intelligence report. All right. Well, for this mission, we will be covering G.I. Joe number 16, published by Image. 
got a cover date of March 2003, but its on-sale date was April 2nd, 2003. Explain yourself, Blaylock. <laughs> what? <laughs> he said the cover date was March of 2003 when it came out on April 2nd. Somebody's fired. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, was, I was actually talking with Josh off-air before we started recording, and we were talking about, you know how we've talked on oh, episodes sure. about how we've seen multiple artists and anchors, and that's the surefire sign of someone trying to keep on schedule. Mm-hmm. And Josh was telling me, yeah, man, because even harder to make a Joe comic book on schedule because not only do you have to do the normal stuff, but you have to send it to Hasbro and get all their approvals. Oh, so sure. There's like extra hurdles involved. So, yeah, it's quite demanding, as he was telling me. Well, off there. Was this the first issue that Tim drew the interiors for? Yes. OK, so Tim Seeley, he's the first person I ever asked to draw the book. He said, I don't think I'm good enough. I talked to my friend Steve Kurth. So I think we talked about that last time. Yeah, that does ring a bell. Yeah, I forgot that was Tim Seeley who said that. Once I had money coming in from Joe, I, I was still like hired Tim to just come work for us and draw other stuff. Once Kurth was off the book, this was like me finally getting Tim to draw the book. Oh, <laughs> very cool. So that worked out. There's no more reliable person to work with, you know, who's just going to get the book done too. And maybe he was actually physically in our studio like a, Marvel style bullpen situation. All right. Well, editor was Scott Worley. The writer, of course, is Josh Blaylock here with us now. Penciler was Tim Seeley, as Josh mentioned. Inker is Corey Hampshire. Colorist is Hi Fi Color Design. Letterers is Dreamer Design. And cover art was by Francis Manipal and Corey Hampshire. And David Michael Beck did the back cover. And speaking of the cover, Death Probe, please take us through the cover description. You can count on me. Take cover! The image eye is highlighted in brown as it blends in with its background, and the cover price is still $2.95. The main action is Cover Girl and Spirit hovering over a small boy as he draws on a pad of paper. He looks awfully suspicious, and something's going on here. Back to you, Pet. All right. Well, with that cover description out of the way, let's go ahead and find out what the guys thought about this cover. And we will start with Josh. If you want to give us a little insight on the cover, or you can just tear it up, be like, "Darn!" Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't remember anything about the conversation, or if I'm not sure if I actually had anything to do with the layout on this one. <laughs> but uh, Francis Manipole is amazing. I can't. I don't know if this was the first one he did for us, um, but he ended up doing several covers for us. Now he's one of DC Comics top artists. He's mm-hmm. done The Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman. How can someone draw a little kid sitting there drawing on a pad of paper and two other people just looking at him and have it look like it has the energy of an anime character punching the ground? You know, it has this energy to it and it's the simplest picture. I loved it. A lot of what I like about this issue, maybe I would completely understand if some fans are reading it like it's one of those slower issues that sort of like takes a breather. But that's what I like about this issue. And it just starts right there with that cover. Mm-hmm. And it's it's actually one of those uh, rare one-point perspective covers, almost, where, you know, all the focus is very clearly right in the middle with this kid. Mm-hmm. So I'd say 10. Present huh? If we were out for the score. Just <laughs> <laughs> throwing later? it out yeah, early. Later. We'll, right. we'll get to that in just a little bit. Let's go ahead and get some thoughts by Jared. You know what? You guys should score the covers. That's an idea I had. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, sound, that sounds like a great meal. Yeah, I like that. Um, <laughs> Pat, I, I'm just going to echo what Josh just said. What an amazing cover for something that's really not much going on. <laughs> two people standing there and a kid drawing a pad, but it just it creates an emotion. 
And it's a memorable cover, even though there's not a bombastic thing happening. And full credit to uh, Francis Manipal for pulling that off. What do you say, Pat? I'm going to agree with you well, guys, as well, too. I mean, Manipal's art is just amazing. The detail that he puts into this cover and down the road just to see, as Josh mentioned, his flash. I really enjoyed when he was drawing the flash stuff. Uh, That was really good as well, too. But when you first see this, you're like, well, what's this cover all about? But then once you read the story and know what's happening, it's like, okay, this cover really kind of just amps up that cover a lot better for me. And one that it will continue to be uh, memorable to me. I do have a spirit look like such a badass. Oh, I was just going to ask. Would you, Josh, would you, you, like, you know, like spirits just look at a piece of paper and you're like, man, I wouldn't want to be that piece of paper. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that because last time we talked, you said you did have a, a hand in a lot of these character redesigns. Did you have a heavy hand in the spirit redesign? Because it's it's quite cool. Yeah, yeah, I did that one. For, yeah, I that was like, clearly we can't have that old costume. <laughs> There's no, you know, all these characters are pretty much like just modifications from the original designs, you know. I think Shipwreck mm-hmm. was probably the most intense redesign I did of some, you know, mm-hmm. first wave. Shipwreck, it's like, all right, we got to get rid of all the stereotype, like college football mascot uniform he had <laughs> it, and uh, just all black, badass. But, you know, looking back through this, we'll talk about it more. I, I did enjoy writing him. I kind of, in hindsight, should have put him in more stuff because he was fun to include. Yeah. And, and Cover Girl looks awesome. Cover Girl, like, she's sexy. She looks like she could be a model, like her character's supposed to yeah. be. But she also looks like she could beat the crap out of you. So, <laughs> like the original Lara Croft. Ooh, yeah, 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 for real. Yeah, I could definitely see yeah, that. Yeah, Francis also, one of the covers he did that I don't have it with me, but he, when we did a Frontline, the Frontline comic series, there was one four issue stretch where we did a weekly release and Francis did the covers for all those. And there is a, um, was it airtight? It was somebody had to like disarm a bomb. Uh, on the spot and it's like a cover of them looking in towards the bomb and it's just, uh, yes. it's just an amazing cover it's just so good yes that's coming back to me now and he did my zanya miniseries covers when we did the zanya oh. origin so yeah i love that guy every time he's on the show he reminds me of something else i have to go buy yeah <laughs> it's funny because you guys remember stuff where i'm like i don't even know if i did that oh yeah <laughs> so this is just random stuff the little things i remember but there's like 20 issues of stuff i don't even remember doing <laughs> yeah. well and, and that that becomes an interesting thing you as the creator and all that you're, you're pouring into that but you're also got your other ideas and everything else you're working on where we as somebody just taking it in we read it in a month's time. Now we're, you know, we're anxious for more and more. So we kind of can pour over all all this, you know, the same issue over and over again while you're trying to get out new stuff over and over. And Yeah. You know, and, so. you know, as a, as a writer too, like you'll take concepts or ideas you have for a subplot or something and you're like, hey, you know what? I just, I can't use that in here. And you'll use it on a completely different book. Mm. And, you know, and then there was one time, I think back when we were doing these, someone asked Stan Lee if he, about a Marvel character, that he created and they asked him if he if he wrote in if he wrote a book a series or if he created a character or something he goes you know i don't remember <laughs> and, and like i completely understand that now and yeah. i'm like this far into like the game that stan was you know i'm like here he'd done this much stuff so yeah you could write in a whole series and be like oh i forgot i did that <laughs> zania sure <laughs> <laughs> That's when you see some of those fights with creators that are, you know, or who who did what. It's weird because a lot of times an honest answer is you're like, you know, I don't remember if I drew that or not. Or I don't remember which one of us did that or who did more of the work on this or that. Sure. <laughs> 
you just sort of have to, you know, go with it. Yeah. You're just in that moment, you know, creating and you got those creative juices flowing and you're just working and yeah. But that's that's what I find interesting. Yeah. That's what, I mean, it is fun to look back on these so long. You have to be distanced from it for this long to go back and look at it and read it like for the first time to experience it like the people back then did reading it. You know, you're Mm. like, oh, I don't even remember doing that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get to Josh's favorite moment. He came up with this idea where we would do one to 10 flag points here (laughs) on the cover. We're going to do it as we did with the flag points. If it's a one, you didn't like it. And if it's a 10, you want to make it a recruiting poster. So, Josh, I think you gave it away before. (laughs) If it was a recruiting poster, it'd be for an art contest or something to uh, enter. But it's a pretty awesome looking box of crowns he drew there. (laughs) Jared. Oh, man, it's it's really good. It's like I said, it's not as dynamic as some of the most memorable ones, but it's still strong. And for not much going on, I'm going to land it on a solid eight. I think it's a great cover. And that's almost like giving it a 10 since it's not like Snake Eyes launching off a ramp on a motorcycle. I mean, to get an eight for this image of such a almost a banal image, but what he did with it just took it to a whole new level. So I'll go to you, Pat. Okay. And I'm going to meet you guys in the middle with a nine just because of the detail on this. Manipul does a really great job. It was and, crayons, wasn't it? Yeah, he got all the colors right. I and, think uh, Hi-Fi colored that one, too, because they colored. They usually colored uh, not just the interior. They usually colored everything. So they really, just that sky background and yeah. just the mood that they set. Mm. Yes, great color choice on the sky with that dusty sort of brown. Mm-hmm. All right, well, with the cover out of the way, let's go ahead and go back to Death Probe for the story synopsis in our mission brief. Well, as loyal listeners know, we like to mix things up here at G.I. Joe Chronicles. I'm going to have DJ Crisados pull the randomizer once again to determine the synopsis point of view. Will I tell it from Joe's point of view or Cobra's point of view? Crisados, please pull the randomizer. It has chosen Joe. All right, here we go. Look in the eyes of a hero And see the sacrifice within We've been called in to investigate a kidnapping, not normally our area of expertise, but the jugglers are staying pretty quiet about why we need to be involved. We've assigned CoverGirl, Spirit, and Snake Eyes to this one, and they've uncovered some interesting facts. The most interesting fact being that the kidnapped boy, Julius, looks exactly like a boy who had an attempted kidnapping not long ago. That boy's name was Alexander. But both boys not only look alike, but they've also been raised by adoptive parents. The description of the kidnapper, Hannibal, is that he's a teenage boy. And our team ran into him when he successfully kidnapped Alexander. Our intel says that Dr. Mindbender is behind all of this. And with names like Hannibal, Julius, and Alexander, this can't be good. It's a good thing that was the Joe one. If it was Culber, they'd just be like, why are we not in this issue? (laughs) Well, I might have rigged the randomizer on this. (laughs) I was like, I can't look like an idiot in the synopsis of the guy who wrote it. (laughs) All right. Well, let's do our highs and lows for this issue. And as usual, Josh, if you want to opt for not doing a high or or a low since you wrote it, you're welcome to do an insights round. So you can pick high or a low, or you can just give an insight to uh, what it was like on the story, and you can go first in our first round, sir. 
Shockingly enough, I don't have any memories of unpleasant interactions with Hasbro on writing this story. I don't remember anything about the approval, so it must have been, <laughs> must have been decent. I would critique my own stuff here. Like I think some of the beats with some of the quieter conversations, pacing, just just real nitpicky stuff and a pacing in a few certain pages or like could have I could have flowed a little differently, but um here's what's funny. I don't remember exactly where we went with some of the stuff that was building here, but I remember being happy with how it was at the time because I knew what we were working on, but we were leading to with these kids. My low would be like nitpicky critiques on my own stuff. The high, I think uh, I was really happy. This is, this is I think, Tim Seeley's first issue drawing the book in its entirety. Um, I liked this nice, you know, step away from the crazy like pace of Joe. Sometimes a nice, quiet story. Focusing on characters that don't usually get center spotlight. Mm -hmm. I always enjoyed putting the Joes in like a a really weird, like boringly normal setting sometimes too, especially someone like Snake Eyes, because it's like Snake Eyes is just, he just really a fish out of water in any normal situation. So yeah, I love the art. Kind of looking back on it, I I just, I'm kind of funny, almost like reminiscing that I wish I would have put Spirit in more stuff because I was kind of making an effort to make sure he wasn't like, sort of the caricature he could have been sometimes, especially in the cartoon. Sure. We had some good one-liners in here that weren't too goofy. You know, they, they fit the right moments. And uh, this was a fun thing to set the stage for what was to come with who these weird little, like, identical children are. I don't think I'm doing any terrible spoilers with those names, as you implied. They're all named, named after the same people that Serpentor was cloned from. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what right. i love it about this is Cut. that i know this has some kind of a serpentor connection but it's been so long since i've read it i can't yeah. remember so i'm excited to like where is this going i can't remember yeah. how he pulled this kind off. of is <laughs> like the whole like youth is wasted on the young thing though in hindsight i'm like i know so much more about those historical figures now than i did that. i'm like i'm obsessed with roman history and the stoics and the whole fall of the republic the way the whole history of the hundreds of years of the specific barbarians that encroach. Like, I love all that stuff so much now. And I have such a better knowledge base of it to go back and be like, oh, I was just pulling those names out of my butt back then because I knew they were. You know? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm thinking about all like, what I, we would have done. I probably would have gotten too distracted with other subplots and not just told the Joe story. So it's probably good. Yeah, that's my highs and lows, I guess. Good stuff. What about you, Pat? What do you got? What do you got for the man? As you mentioned, as I was reading through it, it's been such a long time that I've kind of forgotten as well, too. So it got the first name, I'm like, Julius, okay. And then it got to the second name, Alexander. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. What's happening here? And they're identical. I'm like, oh, no. This is kind of going to be a big reveal. And then you got Hannibal. I'm like, okay, I think I know what's going on here. Now we're going to get some <laughs> Serpenter coming here. So still love the way you say Serpenter. Serpenter. <laughs> you can't, can't say it right, John. Oh, geez, Serpenter. <laughs> that's 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 um, I'm from Wisconsin, well, you know, Wisconsin. you know, eh? <laughs> You're only two hours away. <laughs> it's just as a total random aside. If any, if no one has watched the Barbarians miniseries on the History Channel, did they do those sort of like scripted doc? It's like a documentary, but they have snippets where they actually have really you know high quality production and actors oh, okay. play the parts to sort of reenact what might have happened. Mm-hmm. They did a, a, a Roman one, but then they, then they did one about just barbarians. They such a good job. There's one of the Hannibals in there, and he's he's really the first. You know, he was the leader of Carthage, which is a whole nation. You know, that they really started to go against Roma. Just anybody's a nerd for that stuff. Check it out. Excellent. Cool. In looking at this, 
Josh, I wanted to ask you, there's some different spots that we see in here, like in the beginning page, there's a kid in the background, has got a little Spidey Man on it, firewall, she's wearing a gem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you took the question I was going to ask. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was like, I started seeing these little things in here. I'm like, now is that, and uh, then you got the Punisher shirt on and then uh, Cover Girl is going to say Punisher, but she doesn't. But is that stuff you kind of added or... You know, how did that come about to put that kind of stuff? You know, I, I I think that's probably all just Tim, you know, filling up the background with fun stuff. Um, okay. It's funny we got away with the Spidey thing. I'm surprised Hasbro, just out of their legal paranoia, didn't kill that. But the gem thing, obviously, it's like, you know, we, I like that the thing in there is that, you know, hey, maybe in this universe, gem's actually like a real band. Just to imply mm-hmm. it's it's out there, you know. That sounds yeah. outrageous. It could have opened opened for Cold Slither, or vice versa. <laughs> Cold Slither and Jim at the same venue. <laughs> hey man, if Snake Eyes can come out dressed like George Michael, <laughs> kick, 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 come on! Ready when they haven't seen the cartoons, uh, that actually happened. <laughs> yeah, no, th- th- those are just fun things though in the background. I I don't remember specifically like putting any of that in there. This issue was kind of fun too because you know I don't have specific memories of it, but this is you know anytime you got to actually just have the book drawn in a house, mm-hmm. you know you sort of felt like you were back in like oh my god it's like the seventies of Marvel again you know collaborator and, and just yeah. it's also so damn convenient if you've been doing everything remotely pre Dropbox you know pre internet when you've got to spend fifty dollars to FedEx anything mm-hmm. to just draw it in house. It's so much better because someone can say, hey, what about this? All right, cool. Let's go. (laughs) The other thing I like in that opening scene there with the teacher is the crayons. You start to mention in there like these different crazy names that they have for these colors now instead of just, you know, what happened to green, blue, and red? (laughs) It's so funny you bring that up because I I, I reread this, you know, right like earlier today uh, just to be fresh. And I do not remember that at all. But I I remember like that must have been. At the time, that's right when those colors had first started really changing, you know, because it's so long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like putting that in there. <laughs> yeah, I've been down that road with my kids when they were younger, getting the crayons. Like, give me the blue. Well, which blue do you want? Do you want this kind of a sky blue, or you know, it's like what? Just mm-hmm. give me a blue. See, that kind of age, that felt made me feel a little more aged there. Because reading, if I would like, if my nieces or, or nephews came in right now with a box of crayons, I would go, "Oh, these are crazy names." Not even knowing that 20 years ago I wrote a book commenting, oh, the name has changed. <laughs> and I'd be thinking like, oh, they must have changed these names the last five years. Oh, no, 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 no. You talked about this 20 years ago that it was already changed. And But they probably got new different names now for the newer generation of kids. <laughs> Back in our time, we just had simple names. <laughs> Jared, what's your, what's your thoughts? What do you got? Oh, I get a turn. I forgot. Big highs all around because, like I said, I, I feel the seeds of a Serpentor or Serpentor, depending on where you're from, <laughs> storyline coming. But I don't remember how it goes, so I'm so excited to read the next issue, and that's obviously what you want to do with a comic, so huge kudos to that. I could fawn and, and wax Josh's car all day. I'd rather <laughs> kind of do what you did and, and ask a question. The scene where they go to one of the boys' rooms, I can't remember which one, they look the same. There's the whole list of way too advanced books for a ten year old. Yeah, is, yeah. And or did you pick those titles? Was that those uh, those books your selections, or was it sort of a collaborative um, thing? Or what? I was I, so, so funny because I looked at those. I good. I, I literally went, did I pick those? But I, I didn't have an assistant or anything helping me do that stuff. Like that, so it had to be me. 
<laughs> so, so file this along with the crayon colors. No, but in a category of uh, kind of faking it a little bit because I've read more way of this kind of stuff since then. Like read more of those actual books. Because it's funny in hindsight, I don't think Julius Caesar was necessarily that much of a genius. He was more of a just brutal. You know, we might have sat around and been like, "Hey, you know, me and Tim and some other people in the office might have been like, come up with." I, I might have like threw out like five of them or something, and you know, other people filled in the gaps. You know. Yeah, so that I wish I knew the answer to that. <laughs> oh, history of the Ninja, though. You have to love the history of the Ninja. History of the Ninja. Yes. Can we find that on Amazon? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, the Communist Manifesto, Beginner's Buddhism, Computer Programming, A Guide to HTML. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that, too. <laughs> the French Revolution, that makes sense. A biography of Albert Einstein. Yeah, there's some fun stuff in there. And a Transformer snuck in the corner. Yep, yep. Miss Prime's over there. Well... He's one of those knockoffs that you bought like at the drugstore. <laughs> you're like, why is this all the Miss Prime red and white? And you're because he's five dollars. That's why. Speaking of uh, HTML, in these issues, you bring a lot of more, you know, more tech into it, bringing the Joes a little more up to speed with some tech in that. Is that something you you kind of thought about as you were writing to kind of bring them up to where we were in two thousand three? Oh, absolutely. Hey, you know, what's funny is like, so that book I'm writing now, The Encoded, it's 2055. So it's 30, mm-hmm. 35 years. This, we're 20 years ahead. And I'm trying to guess where, you know, things are going. There's an amazing newsletter you can subscribe to called Future Loop by Peter Diamandis. He tries to focus on, there's so much negativity out there that we can obviously worry about. He tries to just isolate the positive developments that are happening with computers, AI, 3D printing, biotech, all that. You know, that's a nice little cheat thing I use to uh, keep up to date on things. So I try to guess where is this going to be down the road. I mean, there was a lot of stuff in there. um, The exoskeletons, the I think there's even something I mentioned one time about they use like liquid storage. That was something people were talking about back then. What's funny now is I I laugh at these wrist comms because they're so bulky. You know, now we got like iPhones. (laughs) funny I'll never not make fun of myself for is that in the very first issue, it's like this big deal. It says the Kamakura has a 2000 gigabyte something liquid storage device or some, I don't know. It's a two terabyte drive. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's like this huge thing he has, but it was a big deal at the time and, and almost seemed unbelievable. So yeah, I try to um, really try to work that stuff in, but you know, it's not too far off. I mean, the military is how that stuff's introduced mm-hmm. and they get the experimental stuff. So they probably have some things right now, like, they have the exoskeleton suits right now that a soldier can technically use if they wanted to, to carry themselves for 50 miles if they passed out and keep walking. Or they have um, suits that can, you know, lift heavier things, you know, usually for lifting heavy artillery and stuff around. So who knows? Maybe every now and then they throw one of those things out there in the field. You know, if there was an elite group like G.I. Joe, they'd be like, here, you get it. We don't know if it works great. <laughs> <laughs> we might have something we might have something better in five years but you're gonna get this one now and it's it's uh, like space future stuff now man though i tell you what though back then it was sort of like the beginning of that you're like oh well where's this gonna go where's that gonna go social media hadn't even been invented friendster wasn't even invented when we were doing this issue right here that stuff was harder to predict now to try to come up with where things are going to converge it's really fun as a writer it gives you the luxury to actually contemplate real life and what's going to happen. And I think it's in a weird way why I, why I find myself reading so many things now that are like 2000 years old. 
you know, I want to hear what, what society was like then and what, sure. they're, what they were complaining about then and what they were like struggling with then. Cause okay, that stuff's the same. Mm-hmm. That's probably still yep. going to be the same in a hundred years. It's pretty amazing though. I mean, thinking through stories, you know, helps you come up with weird scenarios like, okay, they're all talking about, I guess if you're listening to the podcast, you want to hear about G.I. Joe, skip this for like the next minute. Autonomous cars are all the rage. Everyone knows like, okay, within like X amount of years, all the cars are going to be autonomous, blah, blah, blah. But one thing I haven't heard of is the need to park is going to go away. So all of the land in the whole world that is used for parked cars doesn't really need to exist anymore because cars are going to never stop moving. It changes the whole landscape. And like, how does that affect the real estate market? How does that affect what things are used for? Then I separately from that, you know, you're reading about 3D printing and how 3D printing can already already today make a thousand square foot house for like five thousand dollars. And they're already playing with this stuff and they're, they're starting to experiment in other countries and use it to build, you know, their priorities to use this for uh, more. Hey, how can we throw up quick shelter for people, you know, sure. in, in third world countries? But they've already building apartment complexes this way in China as an experiment. So fast forward 20 years from now, 30 years from now. What's that do to like the age old idea that your real estate's your long term investment? You've got all this land opening up because the cars, there's no need for parking. You've got 3D printed housing, got customizable housing. And then you've got the convergence of that cryptocurrency, biotech, all these different things. To bring that back around though to this, I actually think that's kind of what is missing from, well, I shouldn't say missing because I haven't read the current GI Joe stuff, but I think that's if you're going to. If I was me again, that kid again, trying to reboot G.I. Joe, looking at it as it is now, that's the stuff to kind of throw in here. Like, you know, they should have a little bit of this fun technology to throw in. That's what's going to give them their edge. And Colburn's got some of that stuff, too. You don't want to go too far with it with Joe. So it's not, you know, Star Trek. But um, short answer to that is, yes, I'm obsessed with that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I tell you what, when I was reading this, when it was coming out new, I was a young kid, basically myself as a communications officer in the Air Force. So I was definitely interested in the, in the high tech and the military. And uh, you know what? It felt right to me at the time. It felt like you were just like one small generation ahead of where we were. And that's where you want your GI You know what? Oh, one thing that's crazy comes up in like when you're researching that stuff, a normal person, why do they have any reason to research this stuff, you know? And you find out about it and you're like, you're telling people about it. And they, well, I guess now there's YouTube, so you can make a crazy video if you want. But in the Transformers one in like 2003, I, we talked about Echelon. I had Optimus Prime, you know, hacked into Echelon or something, in, which now in like the Edward Snowden docs or the Julian Assange things or something, somewhere now like Echelon came out as a big deal that that was a surveillance technology. Yeah, it just it's fun to look back on that and it sees yeah. you see how far back the government does have some of this tech. Excellent. The only other comment I have about sort of the content of the book is I thought it was really cool that you guys started bringing back the old pit blueprints. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was very reminiscent of the old days and a welcome addition. Yeah, um, that's something did, we wanted to do for it, sure. That was, looks like it was done, you know, with like sort of an AutoCAD program. Do you remember who did those for you or is that one of those? Yeah, you know what? I guess now? shame on us if there's no credit in here for that. This had to be Photoshop or Illustrator. It was definitely not CAD. It was like we were, it was faked to look like CAD. Man, you know what? I have no idea. Terrible person. There's a thing inside that says graphic design. Mike, by Mike, Mike might have. I mean, yeah, Mike did. He was our art director and he did all the graphic design. And he might have just done that himself. I feel like 
if it was someone we else, we would have credited them. <laughs> but <laughs> he was like the in-house designer. It was assumed that that was him. That's great. Might be one yeah. of those things where, you know, he might not remember if he did it either. <laughs> <laughs> On to the next thing as you, you're pumping out that, you know, that content. Or he um, may be like, how dare you? I remember <laughs> tediously, torturously drawing all those little lines. <laughs> Speaking about the pit, in the last two issues of 14 and 15, it talks about spreading out the team. Instead of just having one big pit, you spread out the team into different areas throughout the, the country. You know, what was I'll your... That. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's prepared to believe that. Yeah. Well, like I, I just thought that was a really, you know, innovative idea to then where we were used to, you know, the pit being in one place and Joel's had to get everywhere, but this would make them more accessible to wherever... Um, you know, Cobra thing was happening wherever it would be. It just makes more sense to have them decentralized. If there needs to be a big army put together, that can happen. But, you know, you're going to have people, if you got people from all over the world stationed in different places, just like any other military bases, that just only makes sense. Makes sense to me. Well, I think we've pretty thoroughly talked about highs and lows and some inside stuff from Josh on this. Any final thoughts before we move on with the scoring on this? I can't wait to see what Josh scores his own story. <laughs> you know me jared i have one he's more thing even i've been saying a lot he's yeah. like he's like colombo just one more thing <laughs> ma'am one more question this particular issue we just got off of the big action with bazooka and rock and roll and and mutt and, and that all at the alpine all at that cobra hideout was going on there this comes in i don't want to say there's a lot of action in this one it's not as much as before this is more of like a, a good investigative detective kind of work story going on here. And, and it really drew me into this one. And like Jared had mentioned before, I want to read the next issue because I want to know what's going to happen. Now yeah. I got to wait in order until we record again. Awesome. Hopefully that's, I mean, that's what we wanted to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, again, it's fun. You know, it ends with Dr. Is that a spoiler? <laughs> ends with Dr. Mindbender. You know, we've got, any superhero book, any action book, you get immer- when you're in their world for so long, you kind of can forget how impressive and, and fantastical they're supposed to be. So it's always good to put the Joes back in the normal world. So when, when you get like all of a sudden, you know, there's this suburban mom being kidnapped and mm-hmm. by some Culver guys, it's like, oh, that's right. These guys are really scary. You know, um, yep. when Snake Eyes is just like in a minivan with some random people, you know, fighting, you know, it's like, well, what is okay? It feels like, oh, yeah, that's right. These characters are like awesome. It just gets them out of their normal setting. That's always fun. One little anecdote of like one thing I always wanted to do with Snake Eyes and probably gonna be anticlimactic here, but just I thought, what's this guy like in normal life? You know, like I always wanted to have a bit in there and somehow I never did it where. I don't know, someone's got like ear, like little ear headphones or something, you know, or ear pods or whatever. And, but he doesn't. And they just make a comment like, oh, Snake Eyes doesn't use headphones. You know, Snake Eyes, it'll never let, like, oh. just a little thing like he would never dare to like cut off his ability to hear everything going on around him. Cause he's like, he's, no, I'm not going to miss like heartbeat coming over here that's like coming at me. Like, just a little thing like that. Like, just to uh, show, like, yeah. oh, this guy doesn't really fit in in the normal world. He's got to do, what he does and he's the best at that but ask him to like hang out and be a normal guy it's just not gonna work hey did um, you hear the new album from so-and-so oh. <laughs> well that's what was so fun about i actually just reordered a bunch of them because i don't have them larry hama's a uh, storm shadow miniseries that we did 
Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't supposed to be a miniseries. That was supposed to be an ongoing, and it was doing great. And we only ended it because we lost the license. We think we made it through 11 issues. It was just Larry Hama writing about Storm Shadow and all of his non-Cobra activities. It was, mm-hmm. the, it was one of those no-brainers when you realize, holy crap, no one has ever just explored what's Storm Shadow doing as time off. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've done... You do the Joes and you do, a, you know, when they go away, we've shown Destro. And, and then even in our books, we showed some of the other characters. It just kind of hit us like we've never showed Storm Shadow just like on a Wednesday, not working for Cobra. So you start thinking like, oh, man, this guy's probably got a really crazy life. But he's also not a weird reclusive hermit figure like Snake Eyes. You know, he's going to he's got money, but he's also he's probably got a bunch of secret stashes everywhere. He's probably paranoid about getting attacked all the time. And. He probably takes on other jobs when he wasn't working for Cobra because he's a hired ninja. Yeah, just that kind of stuff. Anytime you can step away from a book like that, I think that's your challenge as a writer when you get brought into something that has a legacy like that. It's rare that you find those moments where you go, oh my God, no one's ever covered this part of it. Like if you're going to go write Batman, you know, the longer the character's been around, it becomes harder and harder. So, you know, you get to like someone like Batman. If you can think of something that hasn't been done there, it's gold. Because it becomes like, what's this South Park episode? The Simpsons did it. Oh, right, right, right. Plots in every plot. They're like, nope, Simpsons did that plot too. You know, like you, you run into that with your own your own mythos. So, Storm Shadow, Laundry Day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because you know, somehow it'd be, Pretty you know, somehow it'd be exciting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like folding it with ninja chops. And- <laughs> kind of separated into the whites and the, yeah. yeah. Well, it's just whites, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and get into the rating system for this one? Uh, let's go ahead and find out what we're going to score this with one to 10 flag points on the scale we've used earlier that Josh had recommended for us. So, Josh, <laughs> since you recommended story. this, yeah. Is there a 32? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't I can't myself a 10. I feel weird doing that. So I'll say eight. <laughs> Well, you mentioned there was some room for improvement. You said going back in there. So. He said he's a nice, humble cat. I would have given myself a twelve. <laughs> Hamilton versus Burke, twelve. If I didn't, if I didn't like my own stuff, I'd give it like a. Then it'd be like, no, it gets a one and no better, and no one else better give it a two. <laughs> fortunately, there's not too many of those. Jared. Well, it's going to be very similar to the cover. You know, it's mm-hmm. not your most bombastic story, but it's so intriguing. And I want to know what happens next so badly. Oh, mm-hmm. man, I'm telling you, if, if musical genius Joe November were here, he'd probably give it a 9.5. I'm really at 9 or a 10. 10 because I'm so intrigued about what's coming. It didn't have a lot of huge action. But like Josh said, you got to downshift every once but in a while. Cover, but the cover, the cover, it gives you what the cover delivered. That's like it, one thing, too. I yes. am, I'm on board with that. 100%. If you if you like oh, bought this book with this and then you're like, where's all the dread knocks? Or, you know, you're like, <laughs> you know, you've got what was advertised. As advertised, I will say that. I will give it the super solid nine. What about you, Pat? I hear what you're saying there. I was on the seat of my seat at the end <laughs> to figure <find laughs> out what was going to happen here. Uh, I truly want to open up my other issue and just read it again yeah, and it, figure yeah. this out. So um, I had nine as well, too. I thought it just pulled me in. I wasn't expecting it. And it just. And I really hope 17 doesn't suck. <laughs> I saw the cover and it's a Baroness and Flint. Oh, yeah. They have the... you, you had a lot of fun playing with that relationship. I remember. Oh, that. yeah. I think. Oh, man. People were so pissed off at that. <laughs> I think I think that's when we bring in like the Rusnians because I couldn't do Russians. But uh, I think that's when that starts. Oh, no, no, no. Wait. I'm thinking of a cover where Flint 
the later cover where Flint and Baroness are making out. Yeah, the Kieran Grant, um, another amazing artist. I mean, the roster of cover artists on this book, they're all superstars now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what? I don't. I remember they get kidnapped together, and <laughs> there's a cover where they're making out. I remember it well. <laughs> the fan base was so pissed off. Like it's just one of the, it's it's so funny how you know you got to read the story and see what the hell happens. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. The cover's there to grab you in to figure out what's happening. Yeah, so when you read it, I think it makes sense. But um, they were just like, Flint would never do that to Lady Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thought it was a bold and smart move. I know we're moving ahead in, in the issues, but I thought it was a bold and smart move to shake up these relationships that are so... Well, the irony was it was actually all done for a big, a super fanboy nerdy moment where we could have Lady J reenact the cover <laughs> for the famous cover where she's punching Flint. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> like a little scene in there. So it's uh, it's like touche fanboy. <laughs> I'll see your fanboy and raise you a fanboy. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, and let's go ahead and get into our next section here. It's time to give out an awards for this issue. Either it's going to be a silver star medal or a silver sneaky snake attitude for gallantry or sneaky snakiness in action. This is where we each get a, to award the character in this issue who went above and beyond the call of duty. Josh, reading it through, do you have a character um, or when you were writing it that you wanted to go above and beyond? You kind of beat me to the punch, but I'd probably have to say uh, uh, Spirit for his like one-liner about you know secret ninja oh, yes. paper-ripping tactics. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Spirit has made fun of himself in earlier issues about like you know kind of making fun of the cartoon persona of the Mm -hmm. magical native american characters so it's kind of you know now it's like a little jab at the ninja stuff but snake has actually did do what he says so (laughs) (laughs) jared well i was gonna go ahead and give it to spirit iron knife it was nice to see him front and center and capable and leading the investigation and i was really torn between uh, he and cover girl i think they both did a really great job i think i was really taken with spirit's costume redesign so that's another high five to josh over there i was like this is great yeah he and cover girl were right about the same but he had a cool costume redesign so uh i'm giving the edge no pun intended to spirit iron knife (laughs) before you go pat i wanted to ask josh i know back in the marvel comics they had to call him spirit iron knife for a long time because they didn't want to get sued by the will eisner spirit did you have any issues with that I didn't realize that. I thought that was something Hasbro did with the toys later when like the 2000s. I don't know. I feel like I was taking that off of like one of those Spy Troops era okay. like, toys. And I think I thought that they changed the code name because like they had like General Tomahawk, you know. Right. Agent yeah. Scarlet or whatever the hell they could call it. You know, just weird stuff like that. Back then, I probably hadn't forgotten, though. So I just, this is like me 20 years later. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun thing we do on the podcast. We make Josh try to remember as much 20 year old. I forget <laughs> if I had forgotten or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got the hardbound complete collections of G.I. Joe because I'm, I'm fancy that IDW did. And each one of those stories has extra info behind the scenes. And they had mentioned that in the extra info that they went out of their way to call him Spirit Iron Knife so they wouldn't have legal problems calling him just Spirit. Yeah, they look as good as your custom hardcover bounds. 
they're close, but I, I, I could never betray our sponsor, OmahaBound.com, in that way. <laughs> hey, I, I, don't, I don't have any of those, but I, you know, I saw the one in the video here, and that thing looks, I'll just a little plug for them, like just seeing it. That looks as good as anything we would have designed for an omnibus hardcover collection. Alex, I, I'm, I want one of those. So that's uh You heard it here uh, first, Tim Benson. Josh Blaylock just said you made a heck of a product. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. I can see why they're all booked up. Pat, I believe you were going to do a Silver Star or Silver Snake before I hijack that. Yeah, I was just going to agree with both of you. I'm kind of stuck in the middle between Cover Girl and Spirit. They both worked together great. The minute she came up, they started that conversation between each other, and you just saw that friendship and respect that they had for each other. They both had different takes on she could handle more of the child psychology side of it and, and that she did investigation like that. And Spirits, of course, was a tracker, and that's what they needed. And Snake Eyes was there for the muscle. So I'm going to give it to both. I can't choose a side between Cover Girl or Spirit. So and you're cheating. They're teamwork together. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, with that out of the way, let's go ahead and go to Jared's segment, Death Probe's Toy Chest. It's here, the G.I. Joe collection, each sold separately. G.I. Joe from Hasbro. Thank you, Pat. In this segment, I'll take something or someone featured in this issue and give you a brief toy history on it. For this issue, I have selected Cover Girl. Cover Girl, put the bass in your walk. Head to toe, let your whole body talk. Her file name is Courtney A. Krieger. Her grade is an E4 specialist. She is from Peoria, Illinois. Her primary specialty is armor. Her secondary specialty is AFV mechanics. Her figure description, she wears a tan tanker suit with brown boots and a brown jacket. As far as accessories, CoverGirl came packed with the Wolverine missile tank, but no other accessories. This was first released in Series 2 in 1983 and discontinued 1985. However, CoverGirl and the Wolverine missile tank were available from direct mail-away delivery from 1985 to 1987, and that's how I got mine, by the way. There are four versions of CoverGirl at the time of this recording, which is December of 2020. Some of them are known as Agent Courtney Krieger without the mention of CoverGirl, but we've talked in previous episodes about how trademark names kind of got lost and came back, and eh, we've talked about that. So sometimes she's known as CoverGirl, sometimes she's known as Agent Courtney Krieger. So CoverGirl and the Wolverine, did you have it, Pat? No, I did not. I was not fortunate enough or fancy no, neither enough. Neither did Jason. What about you, Josh? Did you ever have the Wolverine? Nope, I never had that one. Uh, it was a good one. Like I said, I did the mail away. I saved up some flag points and did the mail away for it. I, think I found it like at a garage sale. Like they'd always be missing the missiles or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I think there was like a little cable, just a cable that you snapped on the side. That was like the first thing to go. But anyway, that's it for Death Probe's toy chest. Pat? All right. Next up is our feedback segment called Combat Comms. As always, we will start our combat comms off with a roster of our battle-hardened Crusader Club veterans. These are the fine folks that have joined our Crusaders Club. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes, free raffle giveaways, voting on show programming, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much-appreciated support to the show. Michael Wagner, Angelica Woof, Anthony at TFU.info, Auburn Elvis, Bill Beer, Blast It or Stash It, Bob Buster, Braxton Underwood, Clinton Robison, Gerald Green, Greg Van Leuven, Ivor Evans, Jeremy L, 
Jim Don't Squeeze the Jarman. Joe Thomas. John Watson. Jose Pollo. Josh Strickland. Slacker. Slackers. Mysterious Mark Hatherley. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Steve Cronin. Tim Price. And Toronto Cop. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you are a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know that we missed you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. So you might be asking yourself, how do I become a Crusaders Club member? How do you become one? Well, Jared, it's simple. You just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you will get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come and check it out. Let me just text that information to Jason real quick. Are you sure? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Now let's see what messages from our platoon of loyal listeners we have waiting for us on Breaker's ComSat. Communications officer. Code name Breaker. These are from episode 14 featuring Homecoming 1. All right. We got Paul Hicks who said, when you invite me, my code name will be Private Dancer. Dance for money. Do what you want me to do. And mini spoiler alert, I might have lined up Paul Hicks for a future episode. Ooh, interesting. So I will take one from Fan Film Friday's podcast. They have just hashtag I'm following Mutt. Mutt fans, I love it. Mm-hmm. Unpacking the power of the power pack said, I just want to say that Christados is crazy. And he also entered the John Beatty Joe giveaway and he won it. I am going to take one from Green Lantern HG. And he says, I don't think my boss has a sense of humor. And wait, an autographed John Beatty comic? I'm in. And he goes, hashtag John Beatty Joe, hashtag John Beatty Joe, hashtag John Beatty Joe. <laughs> he really wanted to win the Rick one. He he went on to say that was a funny one because remember we were asking from that Tim Seeley cover of the Viper mm-hmm. uh, what you would keep in that belt buckle. And yes. he said Skittles, which made GLHG laugh out loud at work and scare his coworkers. And remember his boss had to talk to him about that. So <laughs> you almost got somebody fired for your Skittles in the belt buckle joke. <laughs> let's ask josh josh what would be in the viper's belt buckle it was like, pretty big belt buckle what would you keep in there what do you what would you think a, a viper probably like an atkins bar it was early 2000 <laughs> <laughs> well that's not an answer we got before so he's no got a healthy one <laughs> our guest at the time said he had like booze or a one hitter in there <laughs> i said he had pictures of scarlet <laughs> <laughs> we like Josh went clean on us. I love it. Yeah. And one other question since we're talking about Cobra, and the other thing that was mentioned in last uh, episode's issue was what kind of healthcare and benefits does Cobra provide for their troops? Yeah, they have a pretty good job at recruiting people, so they got to have decent. I would feel like it would be garbage. It would be like Cobra Commander would talk it up like it was amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and then when you actually, you know, had to like get something done, you would just very conveniently get put onto a certain uh, little little squad that got wiped out the next day. <laughs> <laughs> or like your only medical professional option is Dr. Mindbender. <laughs> <laughs> What we don't know is like all the guys that get sent on like the most dangerous missions have been profiled. Like, oh, they've got tr- they've got like potentially very expensive conditions. We have to take care of about five years from now. 
You guys get to be on the front lines. It's very, uh, it's not as bad as the Scientology plan, but it's a little, <laughs> not much better. I've been watching too uh, many uh, Scientology documentaries, too. <laughs> uh, I'm going to throw with this one more. This is applicable to what we were just talking about. And Hella Cafetti Wolfson in a comment that says, I have goldfish crackers in my belt buckle. <laughs> Got to keep the kids fed. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, and he, if that Cobra Viper was a parent, he had uh, Cheerios. Cheerios yeah. or yeah. kicks. Or, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Well, guys, that's going to bring us to Bishop Complete Status for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Do Years. If you'd like to hear more from us in the realm of comic books, action films, vintage TV shows, movies, serials, and more, we've got a lot of shows about a lot of stuff, Pat. Uh, check out the entire Longbox Crusade Network. DJ Cristados, where can they find that? Well, Jared, I am glad you asked. You can find us on the iTunes, Google Play, and most podcatchers or at www.longboxcrusade.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Jared. All right. If you'd like to chat with us online, we can be found at Pat Fill in the Blank. I can be found at Christatos01, Jared. I am at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. But most importantly, let's find out where you can find our guests and give him one more chance to let you know what products he has out there available. Run with it, Josh. Besides the stuff I plugged earlier, uh, just go to devilsdo.net. You can find out all the latest stuff we have there, links to our web store. And uh, again, I ask everyone, you know, if you're interested at all, check out the Pop Cultivator Project on WeFunder. It's different than anything I've ever done before. Hopefully it's going to be really fun. Yeah, I think you about talked me into it. <laughs> Every time he comes on, he talks me into something. I do have to say, like, don't put in more than, like, the minimum you feel like just never seeing again. Right. You can <laughs> legally say that. Right. No, that's, that makes It's an investment project. You know, it's yeah, yeah. like any other investment. There is a risk of loss, I understand. And that's good to be upfront with the folks about that. That's excellent. Well, with that, if you want to interact with us with live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our raffles, uh, join us for our next episode of Doing It Live Stream on YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. We also have our new live show that we do the first Tuesday of every month at 5 p.m., that is myself and mighty Mark Hatherley called Creators Spotlight, where we keep you up to date on the latest developments of our independent comic books. And we have other creators on that show to talk about their projects. So I'll probably be reaching out to Josh sometime soon to be on that show. Uh, <laughs> but with that, you can get signed up for that by going to YouTube and looking up Longbox Crusade. Give us a subscription and click that bell and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of G.I. Joe Chronicles of Devil's Due Years. We will see you on the battlefield next episode where we will cover issue 17, The Cabal. And until then, Platoon, fall out. Yo! Yo! Joe! Joe. We did it. <laughs> <laughs>The music themes for this show are done by musical genius Joe November. Please check out his SoundCloud at Joseflin99. That's J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You will not regret it. Welcome to G.I. Joe Chronicles, The Devil's Due Year. Oh, man, did I say that wrong? Had to do it when you had the man here, too, didn't you? Yes. Like two in a row, you got him right. <laughs> oh, I'll try that one again.
Yeah. Josh Blaylock is distracting me with the cover <laughs> commander figure on camera right now. Oh, I only got one. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> 